Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, I'm Dr. Adriana Popescu and welcome to Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, a podcast where we explore alternative perspectives on mental health. I'm so excited to have with us today, Lauren Polly as our guest. Lauren Polly is many things. She is a certified speech language pathologist who runs a hospital department in Southern California. She's a coach who empowers college students, individuals, and business people. And she's a gifted speaker and author. Mostly what she is though is an inspiration, someone who stirs people to be more proactive, find their way, and make the proverbial lemonade out of what we've been handed. Lauren mm. is the author of this amazing book called The Other Side of Bipolar, Revealing Your Strengths to Move Beyond the Diagnosis. And I'm so excited to have a conversation with her today. Welcome, Lauren. Well, hello, Adriana. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you here and sharing about your story, the fact that you've written this book and it's gone on to win all kinds of awards and it's been the subject of people's book clubs and um, it's made its way all over the place. Tell us first just a little bit about what inspired you to write this book and to share your story because this is really, you're getting really vulnerable here and you're really putting yourself out there. Yeah, and that was a long, long time coming. I mean, growing up with a diagnosis, you learn first and foremost to hide it, to mask it, and to like shove it in the deep, dark corner so that no one ever knows. Uh, so to be able to kind of like work myself through it where I wasn't hiding it from me first off, but then also to put it out in the world, especially with a different slant and perspective than is normally talked about, uh, was confronting to say the least. Uh, but I noticed when I was doing coaching sessions with people, whenever I shared something from my own personal journey, whenever I was vulnerable and really uh, kind of showed my, my soft underbelly, so to speak, the more they connected and the more they opened up and the more they actually went, oh, wait a second, I can relate and I can change it too. Uh, so for me, that was kind of the inspiration behind the book of, well, if I do put my story out there in a really raw and honest way, I wonder what it would create for people. Uh, so that was kind of the spark and the inspiration that got me going. Yeah, and you've gotten so much great feedback from people about the book and how it's touched them because maybe they, like you say, they may have had similar experiences. What's been some of the reception you've gotten on the book? No, oh, it's been kind of across the board. I, I, I wasn't sure exactly who would pick it up, but uh, it's been people who've gone through with a diagnosis and then kind of going, wow, I have language now to put to my feelings or my emotions and to look at it from a different perspective. Uh, believe it or not, I've heard a lot from people who grew up with family members who've been diagnosed and they've been really beautiful to talk to because it's like, 
I've always kind of judged my parent or my sibling. And this gave me kind of a more empathetic viewpoint on what they were going through. Uh, it also kind of let me call a spade a spade to kind of go, oh, that might have been a manipulation or um, not everything roses and sunshine. And then I've heard from a lot of medical professionals too, who've just used the tools that I share with their clients, or at least have more of an empathetic dealing with their clients because they have that kind of insider's perspective. And that's really what I was going through more than anything of like what it was in my perception and on my mind and in my body going through all of that. Right. Right. And I would love for our listeners and viewers to find out more about your story. So how, tell us a little bit about how you even got a diagnosis of bipolar. What, what was happening for you? What kinds of symptoms were you having? Like, just give us a little bit of the background story. Yeah. So everything was like normal, I would say, quote unquote, normal, happy kiddo until about age 13 period hit. I think there was some hormonal stuff going on at that time. And then uh, I describe it as like, everything's kind of peaceful and open. And then all of a sudden, the volume of the world got turned up really, really, really loud. Uh, before I knew it, I was really aware of how I fit or how I didn't fit. And I think all teenagers go through this, especially pre-adolescence of like, you went from being open and exploratory and just kind of like hanging out with people to now all of a sudden there's groups and there's personalities that you have to see where you fit. Um, I didn't really feel like I fit anywhere. And uh, part of it, I think, too, is just getting saturated in the environment that middle school is where there's gossip and there's cliques and there's a lot of negativity uh, and being aware of other people. What you do when you're saturated in that environment, it just turns the volume up. And before you know it, it feels like everything's coming at you or is about you. So I had a lot of paranoia. I had a lot of mood swings. I was kind of up and down. Uh, I hit it all though. I put a bright smiley face on and kind of marched forward. No one really knew that I was struggling at that time uh, until I wrote a suicide letter and my parents found it. And that's kind of what led me to being taken to the psychiatrist. Mm -hmm. And then when you went to the psychiatrist, what did they say? Well, they did a whole bunch of different testing. They did educational testing. They did do hormonal checks. They did um, thyroid testing, that kind of thing. Uh, and then I went to like the big center where they did the psychological testing and the psychiatric testing. And I remember them kind of picking their way through my brain over hours. I did the ink block testing. I did all sorts of different, um, different things with them. Uh, but I had a conversation with the doctor at the very end and I watched him kind of piecing his way through my world. And all of a sudden mom was in there and she said, well, my aunt has my, my sister, her sister, my aunt had bipolar. And as soon as he heard it, it was kind of like this stake went in the ground of like, aha, that's what we're dealing with. Uh, and before I knew it, all of the conversations, even all the questions he was asking really kind of went in that direction. And I just remember a 14 year old little me in my brain going, oh, this is kind of, this is the answer to the thing that has been bugging me for so long. So this is the thing that I need to kind of like lead towards. Uh, and before I knew it, that was the label that I had. And following that, it was just almost this love of the label, this love of this new rule, role, because I thought that's something that could be fixed, you know, right. um, until I learned more about it. And I was like, this actually can't be fixed. This was kind of a a bad choice to go down this road, you know? Yeah, because, yeah. you know, and you and I have had many conversations about this as both of us working in the healthcare industry, how much we are pathologizing people and, and really there's a stigma that comes as well mm -hmm. with these labels, with these diagnoses, um, which I've always said are kind of like two dimensional, 
you know, descriptors trying to fit someone into a multidimensional being into this two-dimensional box with this label. And it's so interesting coming from the patient's perspective, because I was struggling for so long and I was struggling in secret for so long that for me, the relief of being able to talk about it first of all, was a huge relief. But then it kind of became this, well, if I can get a label and the doctors know what's wrong with me, then I can get medicine or they can fix it and I can move on. And so there's this kind of relief that comes at first when you do get a label. And then eventually when you start learning more about it, especially psychiatric labels, because so much of that is looped into your personality and it has personality traits in the label itself. And even I was looking through it when I first got diagnosed, I was like, well, I don't have these things that are listed, but maybe they're coming because this is what's wrong with me. And before I knew it, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is the thing that actually is you and you are it, which I think is a such, such a more slippery slope than someone who's diagnosed with a physical disease, this mental, emotional thing because of the personality traits in it gets really tricky terrain to, to navigate. Right. So you really came to believe that there was something fundamentally wrong with you, right? Yeah. yeah. And, what, and, and the medical establishment was essentially telling that you have this disease. Here's the label. Here are the symptoms, like you said, and, and what you don't have now may show up eventually. And so what was their, what was their strategy? So here's the answer. The answer is what? The answer was lots and lots and lots and lots of medication. I was swallowing 14 pills a day uh, at my highest point in the first couple of years of my diagnosis. And then a lot of, uh, a lot of therapy. I went to weekly therapy, which I'm actually a big believer in. I think, you know, you shouldn't just be taking meds. You should actually be kind of looking at yourself and your behavior patterns and your life choices. Uh, but the therapy model they were using was one that was really limitation-based and fear-based, like looking at the problem to solve it. And it was really funny because I did weekly therapy, diagnosed at 14. I did weekly therapy all the way up until about 2021. 20, um, and I remember going, oh no, actually longer. It was around 24. I was in graduate school and I went to, um, I changed colleges to go to grad school and I went to a doctor's office and he says, you know, it kind of seems like you're making up problems to be here. And I, <laughs> I kind of said, well, yeah, because this is what you do is you have to have a problem to come and get therapy and therapy is part of this thing that I'm going through. And he was the, one of the first people who was like, maybe you don't actually need what you had in the past. Uh, and that kind of freed me up a little bit. But it's kind of a funny thing to catch of that mindset of as long as there's a problem, there's something that I can continue to go to therapy and fix. It wasn't really about looking at the positive side or looking at even self-improvement that came later. It was just this mentation of there's something wrong and I have to keep digging to figure out what that is. Yeah, yeah. So at what point did you find alternative or other ways of seeing what was going on for you? Because you definitely mm. had a turning point. Yeah, big turning point came when I was 20, a little bit younger. Uh, I had moved to Florida and I had to change psychiatrists and that was like the first thing on the bucket list to do. And I opened up the phone book and this ad came popping out of the listings of all the psychiatrists in the area. It said holistic psychiatry. Uh, this is before holistic was even a buzzword. I had no idea what it was. There was just this like pop of something that said, that's what you need. Uh, and he, he changed everything. He took the perspective and flipped it on its ear. So instead of my weekly therapy being based in limitations, something's wrong with you, keep digging down the rabbit hole, it became a conversation of like, what's good about you? 
What are your unique skill sets? Let's get you in a college program that actually plays to those strengths. Uh, he did diet, he did nutrition, supplements. We did a lot of energy work, actually. We did meditation and yoga. And all of that really just brought me out of looking at the big pink elephant in the room of something's wrong and into, oh, I'm actually a bigger thing than this label. And when I started to develop my sense of self that way, a whole new world opened up for me. Um, and it's something I feel is super lacking right now in the medical system. And it doesn't mean you can't do the medicine. He was managing that too, but adding in this different perspective and these different conversations, it, my life would not be where it is had it not kicked off there, you know? Right, right. Yeah. And all it took was one person, you know, seeing it from a different perspective, one that was including your body, right? Because mm -hmm. so much of the time we don't really address that with people. What are you eating? How, you know, how are you sleeping? Even just like the basic fundamental self-care of your body. Mm -hmm. um, and you really had, I mean, you write about in the book, especially these like intense experiences of having a lot of energy, right? Mm -hmm. Like you naturally just had all this energy, but maybe didn't always have an outlet for it. <laughs> and I'm naturally very, very highly energetic anyway. Like I run a hospital department right now and I run an international business. <laughs> um, but I'm someone who thrives that way. That's the way I'm built. And the more that I have on my plate, the easier and more spacious and more relaxed I am. Uh, I feel like so many people with these mental disorders that are look like they can't handle the basics or because they can't handle just the basics. They actually need more going on. They have a lot of creative energy. And if they know how to direct it, that's a totally different playing field. I mean, it took me a while to build those muscles and to still kind of navigate it all, but um, really and truly actually playing to your strengths there, not looking at it as a wrongness. Exactly. Like, for instance, so many of the people who are getting, especially kids, this diagnosis of ADHD, mm -hmm. right? Um, we're calling that a pathology, a wrongness that they can't focus on one thing. But usually what you find with these kids is they have tremendous capacities for focus if it's something they're interested in. But mm -hmm. most kids in school are not interested in sitting there passively, you know, not able to move, like listening to something boring that's not of interest, that's actually too slow for them because their mm -hmm. mind is capable of handling like 10 classrooms simultaneously, right? Yeah. It's kind of like that old, um, that old example of a kiddo who is failing utterly in class, like really bad, poor engagement. And it's because when they actually test him, his, his intellectual ability is like five grades above the actual what he's being taught. These aren't really outlandish concepts. These are concepts that we see a lot of examples of, but a lot of people aren't leaning into that and actually going, wow, you function differently. Your brain functions differently. Your awareness of the world is different than everyone else. Don't shut it down, but build a life around that. That's where success comes from. Um, you know, I, I work in this reality very, very well, but I do it in my own way. And that's what makes me a success. Exactly. So mm -hmm. tell us more about, so you have that first holistic psychiatrist that really started including more than just, you know, your brain chemistry and what's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. uh, where did it evolve from there for you? 
kind of went on. Um, I was with that psychiatrist during undergraduate in Florida, and then I moved to Virginia for my graduate degree. Uh, so I was unable to continue working with him, but he lit the path for me. And from there, I went to more traditional doctors because it was really hard to find somebody who did what he did. Uh, but I didn't stop my own exploration. He just kind of opened the floodgates more. So to be able to kind of then dig into the yoga, the meditation, more self-care, that was a huge thing for me. During my work with him, he actually took, I think I was on maybe four or five different types of medicines at that time. With my work with him with the holistic approach, he weaned me down to all but one medicine. Uh, and that was just a very simple mood stabilizer. Everything else went away because when I didn't have social anxiety anymore because the paranoia went away. So all of these like self-improvement things that he did with me actually allowed my medicine to be titrated off. Um, so it was more about kind of going in that vein and exploring. And I did that for about 10 years, yoga, meditation, um, working with different doctors. By the time I hit age 30, I was on such a kind of like subclinical dose of that one mood stabilizer. I talked to my psychiatrist at the time and said, you know, I don't really know if this medicine's doing anything for me. I don't know if it's needed. Uh, she was very, very wonderful in the fact that she didn't go, well, you're labeled and we can't change it. She said, let's try it and see. So she actually worked with me. She took me off medicine. We titrated over the length of six months. Uh, that was 10 years ago. I haven't had issues since. And that's not supposed to happen. You're supposed to be on meds to fix the brain chemistry issue. Uh, but she was willing to look at it from a different perspective and willing to work with me through it. Uh, so that was kind of where the holistic over the course of 10 years actually led to. Mm -hmm. So now in retrospect, when you look back on your experience and these symptoms, right, that were pathologized and made wrong, how do you see all of that now? How do, how, what perspective do you have on that? Yeah, it's so interesting because it's always like looking back through a kaleidoscope, like your show says, you know what I mean? You catch um, glimpses of it. And my book goes through this too. It kind of, um, it goes back through past scenes and then current scenes as I was working my way through it with a different sense of awareness. You're wrong and something needs to get fixed versus maybe you're just aware of something here. Um, for me, I think it's a mix of stuff. I think, number one, I'm highly aware of other people. Uh, other psychiatrists who've actually interviewed me for their shows and podcasts have go, oh, well, I would have put you in the category of hypersensitivity. And I said, yes. And to go further than that, it's an extreme awareness of other people in the world. And because I was so open and I have such awareness, whenever a mood came through, whenever an energy came through, an emotion came through, my entire being and body would act it out. And I think that's where the ups and downs went from. Um, beyond that, I'm highly aware of the spirit world. I think a lot of people with these issues, quote unquote, are actually very in tune not only to other people, but they're in tune to the environment, the earth, and also to the spirit world too. Uh, so me doing kind of these more advanced techniques and Dr. P was amazing. She's actually someone who introduced me to the whole spirit world awareness thing that was with our work together. You'll read about her in my book. <laughs> um, Dr. P with the bouncing red curls. <laughs> so with the bouncing red curls is this one. <laughs> And that was kind of like stage two, I always say. Stage one was holistic psychiatry, and that was really reachable for me at that point. That was the diet, the exercise, 
um, the yoga and really looking at, okay, let's build up the positives in you. And then what came later for me was the energy psychology. It was actually going, you're aware there's energetic components around you, there's spirits around you, um, and you're a healer. And beyond being a healer, you truly care about other people. So I think the combination of those two, being very open, being very caring, and wanting to make people feel better is just kind of this like sponge effect where you end up soaking things out and before you know it, your own world is rocking. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been the later work is how to, how to not do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, you and I both work with a specific modality called access consciousness and in mm -hmm. access, you know, we say, what if everything that was called a wrongness about you is actually a strongness, mm -hmm. right? And even in your book title, you know, I love the, the tagline, revealing your strengths to move beyond the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So it seems like now you see a lot of these things that were pathologized in the path as actually being strengths. Mm -hmm. And they're also super practical. And I know people can hear this conversation and go, oh my goodness, spirit awareness and like healing other people. Uh, but from a practicality standpoint, even before I knew what I was doing, I've worked at a hospital for 15 years. I work with stroke patients and brain injured patients who've lost the ability to communicate. Uh, I'm highly psychic and I'm very, very aware of other people's bodies. Guess how I've been able to communicate with these patients and lead them back into better communication. Um, but I didn't know that's what I was doing. I didn't know that's why I was drawn to that field. But those things that sent me down crazy train earlier, being hypersensitive to people, feeling what they feel, uh, kind of hearing their thoughts, reading their minds, whatever you want to call it, uh, those are things that I actually use in a practical way in my everyday gig. And that's what this made me so successful with my patients. Uh, and I think people are doing that more than they think they're doing it. Uh, and then you have the ability to harness that further to actually be able to go deeper and affect more change for people. Um, also, the empathic thing is super interesting, too, having the ability to put yourself in someone else's position, see things the way they see them. I mean, I, I know you do this as well. I think people who are doctors and therapists and teachers, parents even, they have this superpower to be able to flip their perspective to the other person's. Um, it's a highly successful and creative area to be in as long as you don't lose yourself in the process. Uh, but it can look super practical too, you know? Absolutely. And, yeah. um, and I also, as a highly sensitive, empathic person, have that same, you know, experience of picking up on the thoughts, feelings, and emotions of everyone else, whether they're my client or not, just walking down the street and getting a download from the person I'm walking past. Um, mm -hmm. So if you don't have the tools to do that, it can become, like you said, overwhelming and you can lose yourself in other people's stuff. I know for me, it contributed to health issues where I ended up getting so debilitated with, you know, a condition called Lyme disease. A lot of what was happening is unconsciously, I was picking up those thoughts and feelings from others and my body couldn't handle it. It got overwhelmed. Yeah. Which is so, so fascinating because it's not just the mental, emotional stuff we do that our bodies kind of take a toll too. Um, but all of this can be undone. I know you've changed so much also. Uh, I think it's kind of a fascinating success story to really look at all the different ways this can be impacting you and your body and also all the ability to actually change it. It's not too late. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so what would you want people to know, you know, if we could 
you know, conveys like a message out to our, to our listeners, some of whom are mental health professionals, right? Um, who maybe are curious about what else could be possible with seeing these diagnoses and conditions and these illnesses from a different perspective. Some people are clients or people themselves who've received these labels or diagnoses, and some are the loved ones of people mm-hmm. who've had these issues. What, what can we offer them? Is there hope for this? You know, what, <laughs> you know what, what would we like them to know from our experiences? Yeah, well, there is always hope. There's always hope and you're not alone. I think there's a lot of people who have been diagnosed and are living with a label. And I always, um, I always perceive it as like this box that's been put around you. And at first you're comfy in the box because now you're like, okay, cool. This is who I am. And this is the way the world functions. If I, if I know who I am, I know how to act. Therefore I'll be okay. And other people go, oh, that's who you are. That's how I interact with you. Therefore we'll be okay. Uh, but after a while, those boxes, the comfort goes away and you start getting Getting stripped of your ability to grow and change. And for me, and I think a lot of people out there, the joy of life is really the self-evolution. It's pushing your edges. It's actually looking at things differently and having a varied experience while we're here um, in this life path to be able to actually be the best that we can be. And when you're diagnosed and you're put in a box, it's really hard to do because no matter what, again, this is a personality-driven thing. This will be that way forever. But that's the whole purpose of any self-development thing is that your personalities can change. So why can't this? Uh, I think there's more available for all of us. We just have to be willing to ask the questions and to actually start the exploration and to get support and to get support along the way. Yeah. Yeah. And the question, I love that, you know, the, the, the question is so powerful because the question opens up the different possibilities, right? Like how Mm -hmm. else could I be looking at this? What if what's been labeled uh, a wrongness, uh, a symptom of a pathology is actually a capacity of some sort, right? It's a gift. It's uh, something that can be harnessed to create something helpful, useful, creative, productive in the world rather than when it works against you because you don't know what it is. Like having a superpower, you know, like Spider-Man or something, Superman, and they don't know how to use their powers yet because they haven't like figured out like how they can do that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too. And for me, um, I know probably a lot of people can relate to this no matter what I've always wanted to be able to be a contribution in the world. Um, I, and then I don't think that's a far reach for anybody. We want to have productive lives. We want to have good relationships. We'd like to be able to leave the planet going, you know what? I created something and it made a difference that I was here. It wasn't just a, a, a wash in the dark. And when you have these things that hold you back so dynamically, and again, like you said, are kind of two dimensional, you really are, it's, it's an inner battle that starts to come of like, I so desperately want to contribute. And at some deeper sense, I know that there's something here for me to contribute, but I don't think I'll ever be able to. And for me, I looked at myself like that for a long time as I'm going to be on a, a drain on anyone that comes near me. That was what I was given at age 14. Uh, and that's so far from the truth. I can't even, I, I, I can't even have words to express that. You are a contribution and you just have to learn, learn how you tick, you know? Yeah. You mentioned also the importance of support. So um, what do you suggest for people who are listening to this and saying, oh my God, this is, this is speaking to me. I would love to find out more about how I can get support and find someone who maybe can help me to see these 
um, problems from a different perspective? What do you suggest to people? Well, I always say follow your awareness, which most people don't know how to do that. <laughs> I think a lot of people go, oh yeah, I'm highly intuitive and I'm very empathetic, but how do I use that? Uh, my favorite tool is from Access Consciousness. It's called Light and Heavy. Uh, basically anything that makes you feel lighter and that can look differently. You know what I mean? It can feel like a lot of more space. It can feel like the elephant being lifted off your chest. Uh, for me, a lot of times lightness is kind of a pop of uh, interest. Like, Ooh, what is that? This curiosity thing that starts to come, those things that allow you to feel spacious, relaxed, or curious, those are things that are true for you. Uh, things that stop you, box you, or feel heavy and kind of sit funny in your gut, those aren't true for you. So if you're looking for support and you're having a conversation with a professional and you're starting to feel locked up, you're starting to feel heavy, and they aren't open for you exploring or asking questions, questioning them even, I'd say that's probably someone that you'd like to be able to kind of step back from. Uh, there is, there's a lot of supply out there. There are people who are doing different things. There are different ways. It's not just the doctors, the psychiatrists, and the psychologists. You have life coaches, you have facilitators, you've got different modalities to dig into. And you don't have to choose just one. You can work with multiple, but you want to be able to go, you know, there's more supply out there. If I'm feeling heavy with this person, I need to look around for somebody else. Yes. And you yourself now are working with clients. You do coaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tell us more about that. Yeah. I love it. It's, um, it's, so, it's so fascinating to kind of like get in deep with people, really, really, really that deep creative space and actually rework body, brain, and the being. And I think it's so fascinating, the different people that I've worked with, some people right out of the mental institution, those are kind of very, uh, very intense trying times because you just had everything rocked. Uh, and then I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, believe it or not, who looked at what I've created with my life story and my book success and kind of go, I'd like to do that too. How do I do that? Um, so it's kind of a variety of things, but at the crux of it is really looking at your ability to take care of yourself. And for me, that's really about living authentic authentically and actually knowing yourself and caring enough about you and what you're putting out in the world that there's a beautiful congruence where you feel relaxed and your life just gets better. Uh, whether you're looking at fixing a problem, like a mental health thing, or you're looking at going bigger in your life, that's something all of us require, you know? Um, yeah. How can people, if people would like to get in touch with you or find out more about your coaching, I know you also teach classes and stuff. How can mm -hmm. they find you? Uh, LaurenPolly.com is my website and that's got everything up there. That's got my book and my podcast that's out weekly called the Lighten Up Podcast with Lauren Polly. Yes, uh, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. yeah tell us about the podcast. Right. <laughs> this is great. Yeah. The, the podcast is like my baby. I, um, I just got this hit of like, Hello talk. Like I love that intimate nurturing because so many of us just feel alone in what we're going through. Uh, we get inspiration. We do get support sometimes, but even when we're running our, um, our way through it, it just kind of feels very alone. We're missing that intimacy. And so that's kind of the basis of this show. There's a very kind of pillow talk, us kind of crawling into bed together and, and sharing some stories and some inspiration. So that comes out weekly. It's a 14 minute pop of inspiration. Yes. And we'll put links in the show notes for all the ways you can find Lauren and her podcast. And she's all over social media. We're all in the 21st century now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Um, and I want to thank you, Lauren, so much for being on the show today. You truly are a gift. Um, I know it took, a, took you a long time to write this book. It took a lot of courage. I know it brought up all kinds of stuff for you, but mm -hmm. it is such a tremendous gift. This book, you guys need to check it out, The Other Side of Bipolar. Um, Lauren, you are an inspiration. You and your experiences uh, are an inspiration. Do you have any final words for our listeners and viewers that you'd like to share? Yeah, there's um, my quote from our, our mentor, Dr. Dane here, who's one of the founders of Access Consciousness, is um, anything is possible and everything is changeable. And I know if you've been dealing with a diagnosis, it's like that thing is going to be the solid thing that never, ever moves, let alone changes. And I'm living proof that that is not true. Uh, everything, everything, everything is possible. And you can change anything. It just takes takes you actually being willing to explore and open up enough to actually see things uh, differently. Very rarely are things what they seem. So just kind of have that in your bank as you move through. Mm -hmm. yeah. Love it. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. I'm Dr. Adriana Popescu here with Kaleidoscope of Possibilities. Tune in next time when we'll take another look at mental health from different perspectives. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.